So if you're in Colossians chapter 4, I'm going to start um, reading in, uh, I'll start in verse 7, and just because I want to read over a bunch of these names that we've already gone over, um, and I hope that all of these names are familiar to you, and specifically that you can remember what all these people have done, that they've all contributed something um, to the message um, or to the church there. And so I'll just read through this and we'll get down to uh, verse 15. That's where we'll get to. So chapter 4, verse 7, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does John Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And so that's as far as we'll go today. What I want to focus on today is that verse 15 is we have this lady that Paul uh, mentions by name and, and he says, hey, I want to, um, I want to, I want to point out this lady, Nympha, and what she has done for the church, that she has welcomed the church into our house. And so um, I want to point out two things, and then we'll kind of sidestep and come back to it. One is that, I mean, notice guys, as we read this list, you know, as you go back through, we've spent at least one Sunday on every single one of these names. I hope you notice out that everybody uh, contributed something to this, right? And everybody contributed something different, but it was based on what they had, on what they could do, right? Even the fact that like in verse 7, Tychicus, that to be honest, most of us had never heard that guy's name in his life. Remember, he was the one that carried this letter. He was the one that, that carried the letter to the church in Colossae. And so while yes, Paul wrote it, Tychicus was the one that took it. And so without Tychicus, we wouldn't have the letter of Coloss, uh, Colossians, right? And so everybody contributed something based on what they had. Everybody had a role to play, and they did it faithfully, okay? And so even as you look at this list of names, some of these people did incredible things like, you know, like Luke uh, and Epaphras and John Mark. These are guys that they kind of did seemingly bigger roles, seemingly more important, more successful, 
right? Um, and then there are some people that it, it appears as if what they did wasn't really that big of a deal. You know, Tychicus just carried this along. Um, Onesimus, he just went back. He was just a slave. Um, even this lady, Nympha, in the church that met in her house, think about this. What did she do? What great thing did she do? She, she and, and, and please hear my, uh, uh, my tone in this. She just opened up her house. That's all she did. No big deal, right? All she did was she recognized, hey, I have a home that the Lord has given me that's big enough to house some people, and all she did was open it up. But what I want to point out is that each did it faithfully. And the reason we always emphasize faithful service is because the world is constantly performance-driven and pushing uh, into your face. And even into our faith is that we must be successful rather than faithful. Are you all with me on that? And that success is determined by performance, determined by the amount of outcome. And in a world that is constantly comparing us to one another, constantly, it's very, very easy to get our identity, not from that vertical relationship, but to get our identity from our horizontal relationships, specifically in where we compare to one another. And this is from the time that we're little kids till, till we're adults constantly, you know, I think it's in middle school that kids start, uh, they start learning their class rank. Like they, like I went to a a private Christian school. You guys are a bunch of public schoolers. I'm a little bit better than you, but we knew that anyways. So, but we, we didn't, we didn't do that in my school. And I, and I didn't even know it was a thing until like after I'd graduated and come back. But apparently even starting in middle school, what we start to do is put these labels on kids. You're, you're number 17, you're number 22 and kids will learn I'm number 212 unbelievable and and notice it's not it's no longer hey you're an a student it's their identity is based 100 percent on how they compare to everybody else it starts in middle school and it just continues on and on and on and so then we become adults and and we also do it to ourselves let's just be honest let's just be honest is that we compare ourselves to other people's houses we compare cars we compare families. Let's just be, can we just be honest for a minute? Am I the only one that has this struggle that I struggle with finding my identity in comparing myself to others rather than my identity in the Lord, that vertical? And if I'm not finding my identity in that vertical relationship, we will always look horizontally to try to find it. And it doesn't work. Because horizontal relationships are not designed to satisfy me. They will not. And so this is why we constantly want to stress being faithful um, rather than being successful because they might look drastically different. Because I know plenty, I know of plenty of people that are the most successful people on earth that are absolutely miserable that they have no joy in their life, that they cannot find satisfaction, that all they do is just chase and chase bigger, better, faster, more, and they are on the, like, in, on the rat race of the world. Just, just, we've got a hamster at our house, and every night that thing, it, it's got a pretty good workout routine. Let's be honest, Coconut's got some good cardio she puts in, and every night, every night we can hear that hamster in there running, 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 but you wanna know what? That hamster is, 
moving as hard as it can, putting out as much effort as it can, but do you want to know where it is every time? Right where it starts. Every time. And that poor little hamster, although it's got a very healthy heart, we think, it's not going anywhere. It's just going to be in that little cage. And how many of us as adults we struggle with and we go down that path of we're just chasing, chasing, next. And everything that is created has a ceiling. Everything. And we will eventually hit that ceiling, right? If we look for horizontal rather than vertical to find our satisfaction. And so this is why we're always stress, stressing being faithful rather than what the world calls successful. Uh, flip over to Matthew chapter 25. That's where we'll be for a little bit today. Uh, I want to talk, continue to talk on this subject of what does it look like to be faithful even in these small things? <clears throat> because again, I'll, I'll say it again, is that uh, as we've looked at Colossians, remember, everybody contributed something. Everybody did something. Some of the things appeared much bigger. Some of the things appeared much smaller. But that's not our focus. Our focus is on whether they did it faithfully. And so today, again, we're looking at this lady that what she do? She opened up her home. Is that, is that really that big of a deal? Is it really that big of a deal? Just to, just to say, sure, you can come meet here. I mean, does Jesus look at that and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or does he look at that and say, you know, you really could have done more. All you did was open up your home. That's it. Nympha. Come on. That's all you did. And so look in Matthew chapter 25. This is a parable we'll spend a few minutes on. It's called the parable of the talents. And this is really going to be within the context of being faithful rather than being successful. Uh, this is a parable that Jesus is speaking in this section, and, and we always, you always need to know the context. Uh, Jesus is speaking of, he's got a bunch of parables here, but he's talking about in the context of the end of days, the days that he's returning. And so don't miss that context, okay? So in that context, he tells this parable. Uh, it's called the parable of the talents. And I'll just read through it once, and then we'll go back through and kind of take it apart here. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, and again, this is on the subject of being faithful versus successful. Verse 14, it says, again, it will be, now that word it, it means what? It means the last day, when, when it's done, when Jesus returns. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Uh, Real quick, I'll insert just a couple things. A talent, we're not really sure exactly the amount of money that is, but we do know that it was a lot of money, okay? So don't think like a dollar. I mean, we're talking probably tens of thousands, even hundred thousand dollars for each talent. So this dude gives everybody a, a significant portion, enough to actually accomplish something, right? Because if I gave you a dollar, it's hard to do something with that. Uh, it says, then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more so also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five 
Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. Verse 21, his master replied, well, what's the word? Done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came Master, he said, I know that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. See, I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, what's the word? lazy servant so you knew that i harvest where i have not sown and gathered where i have not scattered seed then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so when i return i would have at least received it back with interest take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents for everyone who has will be given more and he who and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The very words of God. So let's start, let's start back over in verse 14. And I just want to point out some things. So verse 14 says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted. Did y'all, did y'all say entrusted there? entrusted his property to them. So I want to point out several things on this. Number one is that we all have something entrusted from the Lord. They're not ours, but they are entrusted for a uh, return. These are our abilities, our skills, our opportunities. Um, Sometimes it's even our finances. Sometimes it's our history is that the Lord wants to take all those things and use them for his good. Okay. Now I want to talk specifically about our history, our past, the things that you've been through, good and bad. Uh, What we tend to want to do is these difficult things in our lives. What do we try to do usually? We, We try to just cover them up, forget about them, move on right? We don't speak about them. We don't bring them up because some people in this room, I know a lot of y'all's stories, some of y'all have been and are going through very difficult things. And the Lord wastes nothing, okay? But what the world is going to tell you is what we want to do is we want to cover that thing up. We want to move on. We certainly don't want to show anyone those things. All we want to do is show happy faces and success stories. But what the Lord does is he takes those things and says, I want to use those for your good and for the good of another. Have you ever been absolutely, um, just completely, uh, what's the opposite of encouraged? I guess it's discouraged. Wow, I should have thought about that for a second. Have you ever been completely discouraged by someone's success story? Are y'all with me on this? And, and of course this is true 
in uh, just the, the non-church world, but even within Christian circles, have you ever heard just, oh man, it just success story after success story after success story, and it actually takes the wind out of your sails? Have you all ever experienced this? Like years ago when Kinsey and I lived in Dallas, we were a part of a church. It was a wonderful church. It was Irving Bible Church. And we had this, uh, we went to a small group Sunday school that was, uh, you know, before big church on Sunday, I still call it big church because it's big church. And um, there was a, a couple in there, and that was a time where Kenzie and I were trying to learn how to pray together, and we weren't very good at it. We're ju- we just weren't good at it. And we're like, how do we do this? And so we asked another couple. I remember I said, hey, do you guys ever, do you guys ever pray together? What's that look like? And the guy's answer, he looked at me, and he's a really good guy. He looked at me, he says, every single night with my wife, every single night. Now, what's my response then? Yeah, I'm like, awesome, great, neat. <laughs> that like I felt, I just felt myself, ah, you know, why is that? Because it's this part of our history is that sometimes it's good to talk through the struggles with others. Is it those difficulties you're going through? Sometimes the best thing you can do is to stand up and say, hey, here's something I'm struggling with as well. Here's something that's very difficult with me. And it's hard, but man, it's good. Has, has anyone ever experienced that, by the way, that someone who seemingly has it all together, this is the exact opposite story, someone who seemingly has everything together, they stand up and say, man, we're really, I'm, I'm really struggling here. I'm having such a difficult time. And because of their struggle, have you felt encouragement from that? Anyone? Feral, show me your hands. Yeah, right? And it's, it's not because, oh, I want you to fail. It's because, thank God that I see God working in you, right? And that's the point is that we've all been entrusted with these things, not just abilities and skills, but even our stories, even our past. And the Lord wants to use those things for a purpose, not to just bury those things. And so um, a, a word of warning on that is, is remember these things, these abilities, this history. Remember, guys, that's all horizontal, Okay, and the reason I say this is because I I really believe this. We can get our identity out of our past, and we can get our identity out of our skills and our abilities, right? And and if our identity is not vertically from the Lord, it will be horizontally, right? And so just a word of warning, because I see people do this, is that we can become, we can be known as the guy with the broken past, or I can be the ADHD guy, or I, I can be the depression guy, right? Or like, and it's, no, that, that's not my identity. That's just something I've come through. Are y'all with me on this? And that we can actually, those things can, those horizontal things can become idols, uh, but the idea is that it's our vertical relationship is our identity. Uh, let's keep going. Verse 15, he says, uh, it says, uh, again, it was like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent. Each according to his ability. And so what I say about verse 15 is that we are not all equal in skills and abilities and opportunities, but the reward will be the same for everybody, okay? 
And, and the, the thing I have written down is the master measures success not by the outcome, but by our faithfulness. Don't miss that, guys. The master measures success not by our outcome, but by faithful service. And the reason I emphasize this is because comparison in our world, comparison is devastating. It is devastating. And if we're not on guard, you remember uh, Scripture has in it a lot, and we speak a lot about, there's a lot of warning passages in Scripture. And there's a lot of warning messages that you'll hear from me is, is remember, guys, be, be on guard. Don't fall asleep. Stay ready. Stay alert. Yeah, literally, don't fall asleep. You know, yeah. be, be, be watchful. You know, keep your eyes up and out. Why is that? Because if we're not, we will begin to believe what's right in front of us. Okay, and so the reason I always emphasize is is to be watchful. If we're not aware of what's going on, we will begin to believe the lie that everybody around us is perfect, right? We will begin to believe the lie that nobody else is struggling through anything. We will begin to uh, believe that lie that our that our identity comes from our performance. We will. You know, and so just be watchful, be aware. Like on social media, you understand it's a wonderful piece of fiction. <laughs> You'll get that, right? Don't believe it. Don't do it. We can crop and edit and filter and we can make our lives look, we can just chop it down and just show you this tiny piece. And if we're not aware and alert, we will, we will believe this idea that everybody's doing great, everybody's doing perfect, I'm the only one that struggles, and if I'm the only one that's struggling through anything, do you really think I'm going to talk to anyone about it? Absolutely not. And so this is the whole point is that, remember the master, he measured success not by the outcome, but by the faithful service. And in a world that constantly compares us to one another, it's hard to have our emphasis on faithfulness. Go to verse 16. Uh, He went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more talents. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. And so pause there real quick. I want to point this out, is that the Lord has supplied them, He supplied us individually and as a church with exactly what they needed, okay? No more, 
no less. This is the business of God, is he gives us exactly what we need at exactly the right time. You can see this all throughout scripture. You remember in the, the desert when Israel is wandering around, uh, the Lord provided manna in the desert. And you remember, you remember the story? Every single morning, they would go out and gather what they needed for the day. And the Bible said that if they gathered more than they needed, what would happen? You remember? It was no good for the next day, right? And so every day, it's this image of daily, the, the, the Lord gives us exactly what we want for that time, okay? And so what I say is, uh, I compare it to this. It's like, what is your favorite breath of air you've ever taken? And there is a correct answer. What's your favorite breath of air ever? That one right there. That was it, right? Some of y'all may think, well, my first breath of air ever. Listen, that first breath of air was perfect for that moment. Is that breath of air any good for me now? No. Now, let me ask the exact same question. Hey, 14 seconds later, what's your favorite breath of air you've ever taken? That one right there. This is what it means to walk in grace. This is what it means that the Lord gives us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. Hey, listen, guys, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to have to take a breath of air. Let's sit here and talk about it. Let's worry about it. Is, let's get a committee together. Hey, what are we going to do about our breath of air? The 10-minute breath, now it's 9 minutes and 50 seconds breath of air. No, what do we do at that moment? We, we, and, and so listen, and I, I hope you hear me. I, I, don't, I don't live my life concerned about my 10-minute breath of air from now. And, and hear me, I also don't live my life trying to find my life based on my 20-second-ago breath of air. How do I do it? Right here. One breath at a time. This is what it means to walk by grace. This is what it means that the Lord provides for us daily. You can see this over and over in Scripture. I mean, in the Old Testament with manna in the desert, and then Jesus comes back and says, oh, by the way, I'm the manna in the desert, by the way. Uh, you can also see it when the apostles say, hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And he says, sure, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, what is it? This day, what? Our daily bread and forgive us our debts. You can read it in Proverbs also where, where Proverbs reads, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. This is what it means to walk in grace, guys. Um, and, and there is such a thing as useless grace. There is. The grace that God gave me yesterday, did you know it's useless for today? Did you know that? Right? And the grace that God's gonna give me tomorrow, did you know it's useless for today? Has, has anyone, if you grew up in church, you've experienced this. You know the, the church camp experience. You go through church camp. It builds up to Friday night. You have a great spiritual night on Friday night. I'm not questioning that. Have you ever tried for that experience to sustain you? Have you ever had this? Where you had a, an incredible experience with the Lord. He gave you the just amount of grace you needed for that time. And you think, I'm going to hold on to that experience. How did that work for y'all? Who, who, who did church camp? I mean, like for real. You went maybe a week, maybe two weeks. It doesn't work because it's like breathing. Is the Lord said, no, it's daily grace. And, and anyways, back to our, uh, back to our uh, parable here is that the Lord has supplied us with exactly what we need exactly at the right time. The servant with five talents had exactly what he needed. 
to be faithful. The servant with two talents had exactly what he needed to be faithful. And don't miss this. The servant with one talent, the one that was rebuked for being lazy, he had, what is it? Exactly what he needed. Exactly what he needed. No more, no less. Uh, Verse 24. Then the man who had received the one talent came Master, he said, and by the way, listen to how he'll, he rationalizes. Uh, we, this is my pattern as well, that we hide our disobedience behind. Uh, we try to rationalize it, and we can even make it sound good. Look, uh, Master, where'd it go? He said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See? Here is what belongs to you. Um, so the difference here is, is right there. He says, verse 25, he says, I was what? Afraid. And let me point this out. Man, this has been kicking my tail lately. Is that sometimes our fear sounds like faith. Is that if you've been in church long enough, if you've learned the church lingo, we're in the Bible Belt. If you've learned how to say a couple right things, there's a few key phrases that we can disguise our fear and make it look like faith. Uh, like, and we, even we can be deceived that we think we're being faithful, but we're actually operating out of fear. And some of them sound like this. If you've been in church a long time, you'll know how to use these appropriately. You can, we can live lives that are completely lazy and say things like, I'm just waiting on the Lord's timing. Right? Have you all heard this? Now listen, sometimes that's true. But mm, I, I think most of the time uh, it's not. Um, here's another one is, I'm, I'm just waiting until I'm comfortable. God doesn't want me to be uncomfortable, which is bo- terrible theology and completely incorrect practice, right? Or this one, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, God doesn't close a door unless he opens a window. That's the most unbiblical <laughs> hogwash. Like, it's just like, what are you talking about? You know, these, these are all, these are fears disguised as faith. Um, oh, this is, God, this is a big one. Keep your finger in Matthew chapter 25. Flip a little bit to the right. Go to Matthew 28. Stay in 25. We'll be there. We'll be right back in a second. Because this is, man, because I love that the, the Bible just completely confronts us with this truth of Sometimes we have fear that's disguised as faith. Uh, one of the biggest ones is, well, I'm, I just, I'm kind of, I, ha- I have my doubts. I, I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't feel qualified yet. You know, as if there's a standard, as if there's a standard and we must first meet that standard and then the Lord says, okay, now let's, now let's experience life, right? I hope you've heard the phrase, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called, right? Most of us live under that burden of God will equip me and then when I reach that standard, that's the point at which I can start uh, moving forward. Look at Mark, uh, no, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. I've read this before and pointed this out before, but it's worth repeating. Matthew 28, verse 16, it says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee why 11? That's because Judas had killed himself by this point. Uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, and so look what he does. He says, go and make disciples, or the original translation really says, as you are going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to point something out real quick. Who is on this scene? Who is, who is here? Jesus and who? The apostles. The 11 apostles. Who, the 11 apostles. The 11 apostles apostles. Peter, James, John, Simon, Matthew. These are the men that think of the things they saw. They spent years with Jesus. These are the men that literally saw him walking on water physically. These are the men that they watched him raise people from the dead. These are the men that at one point Jesus sent out and he said, you go perform miracles. And they returned and they said, you would not believe the things we can do. Like the things that these men have seen. These are the men that watched Jesus die on a cross. These are the men that watched him raise from the dead. These are the men that spent time with Jesus. Unbelievable the stories that these men had that they saw with their eyes, that they heard with their ears, that they smelled with their noses, that they tasted, that they touched. Look at verse 17. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Look at this. But some doubted. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? Some of the, like, don't miss this. Like, Like, Jesus has done everything, and still, still some of those guys sit there and they go, man, I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm just, and, and, are you, Nathan, are you buying this? Thomas, I just don't know. And, and even though that was their heart, Jesus looked at them and said, hey, all authority has been given on me and you need to go and make disciples of all nations. I have this written in my Bible. Doubt did not disqualify or excuse them from their mission and their purpose. I'll say that again. Doubt did not disqualify or excuse them from their mission. Why is that? Because God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the, uh, did I say that right? He equips the called. Yes, these men, after Jesus spent years with them, and after years, I mean, this is like after after the final test, like grades have been returned, like the semester is over He's raised from the dead, and some of them still go, mm, I just don't know. Jesus didn't say, time out, let's start over from the beginning, let me die again. He says, no. He says, go. And so let's wrap up that parable real quick. Uh, go back to 25, um, Matthew 25, it said, um, he says, I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew, you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and where I have not scattered seed. Well, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have at least received it back with interest. 
Take, take the talent from him and give it to one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And so what's, what's the context here? Let's go back. Remember Colossians, we said, here's this lady that Paul says, hey, greet Nympha and the church that meets in her home. She had been given this thing, and she had entrusted it to the Lord. And the thing that she had been given was she opened up her home. Um, you may have noticed that every month we give kind of mission projects and that we're really trying to start in our neighborhood. We're really encouraging one another. Go meet your neighbors. Go start talking to your neighbors. Go start. Um, you might be planting. Hear me say this. With your neighbors right now, you might be planting seeds or guys, you might just be turning the soil because that's how you, that's how you harvest is first you got to go turn the soil. Or you may be watering something that someone else has already planted. Uh, last week I said something that was 100% wrong after I said it. I said that we will never, uh, we'll never harvest fruit that we, that we didn't plant. And after I thought about it, I thought that's 1,000% wrong. That's completely wrong. Because there are other people who have come along that have planted the gospel in people's hearts. And some of us get to walk along and, and reap the benefit of that. Some of us get to see people's lives changed. We get to see lives changed. Please don't miss this. Some of us will get to see captives set free for the first time. Some of us will get to see marriages miraculously healed. Some of us will get to see addictions that are completely overcome. Some of us will get to see people connect with others that they never have their entire life. Some of us will get to see people for the first time ever have somebody in their life that actually cares for them. You realize most people are insanely lonely. You recognize that, right? Do not believe what you see on TV and what you see on social media. People are so lonely. And some of us are going to get to come along having done no work and, and just all we have to do is just give what the Lord has offered to us. Some of you, all you have to do is open up your home and you will see the floodgates of the Lord open up in these people's lives. Some of us will get to reap that harvest. I said that completely incorrectly last week. In the front of our house, we have a, um, a garden that our neighbors had... <clears throat> had uh, gardened is that what it is yeah the year before and then Kinsey started to take over with it and she's pretty good at it and I'm pretty good at eating the the food so we make a great team and so she's out there and um what was it sweet potatoes the one that the one that just wouldn't take right or something like that oh that's that's right and, and so she's out there and she's experimenting and she's putting in uh she's done peppers and she does stuff like this and then one day she comes in and she has a squash it was a perfectly good squash. Now, here's the thing, guys. She never planted a squash. <laughs> she didn't. And, and this is what I thought of last week after I said this. Do you want to know who we think planted the squash? It was our neighbors like two or three years ago. And it's just now. What effort did we put into that? Nothing. But she went into the garden. That squash isn't going to grow little squash legs and walk its little self into our kitchen. Right? And so we had this thing that we were entrusted with, and Kinsey goes out. And what a great image, by the way, of the way the Lord works is that she, she was just faithful with what? Just this tiny little thing. 
Just this tiny thing. And we got to reap the benefits of it. I mean, she, I don't eat squash. I think it's gross. But she sneaks it into my spaghetti sometimes. And she tells me afterwards, which infuriates me um, to no end. I'm just kidding. Um, but the point being, yeah, guys, and, and I hope, please, please, God, please see the big picture here. Is we want, I want to see lives changed. Like, I don't, I don't care about getting a lot of warm bodies in a church. Please hear me say this. Like, I, I want to see God change lives. I want to see him change marriages. I want to see him break chains that people thought would never, ever get broken. I want us to have stories of, you would not believe what the Lord has done in my life. Not a story of, oh, I started coming to church and... We have music and the pastor makes fun of Kenneth, so it's kind of funny. No, but stories of life and peace and stories of incredible just fruit. Ah, like I, wanna, I want that. And um, gosh, I hope you do too. Guys, please stay on guard. Please stay on guard. Don't, don't lose yourself chasing shiny things. Don't do it. Don't lose yourself comparing yourselves to others. Keep that identity completely vertical and these things that are horizontal, by the way, they're, they're fun. They really are, they're fun. But don't grab onto those horizontal things. That's not our identity. Because the moment we lose our identity in Jesus Christ, that's the moment we find our identity in these horizontal things and they can not satisfy. Is who, and I won't ask you to say anything, who in here is old enough to say, I chased something horizontal and I found the dead end? Honestly, who's done that? Yeah, it's all the, it's all the people who have some life experience, right? Is they've said, I've chased that path and it went nowhere. It went nowhere because I tried to find my identity in that horizontal. Um, so let me pray for us. Um, and that's it. Father, thank you for today. God, I pray that, that we would be faithful with what you've entrusted us and that we'd understand you haven't given us all the same abilities. You haven't given us all the same resources, the same skill set. But God, that doesn't matter that we wouldn't compare ourselves, that, that the, 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 the servant with two talents didn't worry about the guy with five talents. He didn't. He just said, hey, this is what I've been given. I'm going to be faithful with it. And Lord, I, I pray that we would not find ourselves comparing horizontally to others, but that we would say, God, what have you entrusted me? And that like, like Nympha, maybe it's just we just open up our home to our neighbors. We don't have a plan. We don't have a Bible study. We, we don't have a book we're going through, but we just say, hey, come over and have dinner. Come over and, and watch the football game. Come over and watch Hamilton again. But that we would just recognize that we can be faithful in these tiny things and you cause the growth. And some of us, we're going to invite our neighbors over to watch Hamilton and, and we are going to see fruit. We're going we're gonna to pull a, an entire squash out of the ground and say, wow, this is incredible. And God, that's what we want. That's what we want, Lord. And I pray that we would be faithful in laboring towards you, that we would not grow weary, Lord. 
that we would encourage one another and we would not grow weary of doing what's good and laboring and working the soil. And some of us are planting and some of us are watering, but Lord, you cause the growth. That's it. You cause the growth. It's not up to me. And God, I pray that we would remember that our identity is found in Jesus only, in Jesus Christ vertically. All these horizontal things, they're great. They really are. They're fun, but that's not who I am. And my identity is not found in my horizontal performance. My identity is not found in my horizontal comparison. My identity is found in you, Lord, 100%, and that you have completely equipped us for what we're called to do. And so this is our prayer, Lord, today. Amen.